Good morning, church. How we doing today? Doing good? Yeah, look at somebody near you. We want to be positive this morning. Look at somebody near you and say, I heard it's 68 degrees outside today. Do that, would you? I didn't say that's real. I just said be positive. That's all it is. Glad you're with us this morning. If you have your Bibles, as you take them? Turn to Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. It's where we're going to begin our, uh, our look at in the beginning, a study in the book of Genesis over the next several weeks together. Last fall, I was, I'll be honest, I don't know what I was doing or why I did it, but I began to think about just answers, how we, we need to get back some foundational truths. And uh, the Lord just put on my heart that the title of the series, In the Beginning. And uh, so we're going to take these next couple of months, we're going to work together out of the first eight to ten chapters of Genesis. We'll see how far we get. And the book of Genesis, honestly, the passage we're going to study today, I'm going to dare say that it is the most likely, it is the verse that the most people in here today have read. <laughs> because whenever we start reading through the Bible, what do we do? We open up the Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 1, we start reading. I would say this passage has been read by by more people opening up a Gideon Bible in a hotel or more people in a cell, in a, in a prison cell, more people, wherever it's at, it's where we start. Now, whether or not you got any further than that, I don't know, but we're going to take a look at those first three verses in the first chapter of Genesis today. Now, the book of Genesis is important. The word Genesis just means origins, okay? Uh, so it, that's kind of the idea. Where did everything come from, the origins? And it's not just about the origins of the universe. It's not just about uh, the origins of humanity. It actually, we see the foundation of every major Christian doctrine. We find it right in the book of Genesis. The study of God, theology, we see that in Genesis. The study of man, anthropology, we see that in, in Genesis. It's actually, there's actually a word for the study of angels. You know what it is? Angiology. They couldn't come up with any better name than that. All these others. Soteriology, which is the, the, the doctrine of salvation, or the doctrine of sin. Homardiology, just where did sin come from? Why is death in the world? Where did suffering come from? It, it, it's the first look at marriage. It's the first look at, at murder. It's the first look at so many things. And so, as we study the book of Genesis, it is not so much about just creation. In fact, it's not even a, a discussion about creation versus evolution, although we're going to get to that. I've got a good friend. This guy's name is Dr. Thane Yuri. We call him Hutch. I've known him for 20-some-plus years. He's a professor at um, 
at Asbury Seminary, has a ministry into China. He was with Answers in Genesis, uh, if you're familiar with that ministry. And uh, he's going to be coming during our Awaken Conference. And the guy specializes in that whole thing of giving answers and giving reasonable scientific and background answers to the questions that people have. And so I'm really excited about where we're going to be going over the course of this next two months or so together. Now, as we take a look at Genesis chapter 1, this last week, I'll be honest, I couldn't get past the first three verses. Because when you read the first three verses, we find out a lot about God. And so if you take your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 1, we're going to read those first three verses. We're going to look at a number of others in this passage. And here's how the Bible begins. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Uh, the King James says it was void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, it's interesting, I read this, I told somebody after the first service who loves to study the Word, they said, oh, great message, Pastor. I said, can I tell you, in three minutes I had the outline. I read those passages, it jumped out to me, it took me several hours to develop everything else, but, but in three minutes I knew what I was going to preach this morning. I've been meditating on this passage, been reading through this passage over the last several months. I've been reading through Genesis, just kind of familiarizing myself and what, what is the Lord speaking to me about. But it's interesting to me that, that the Spirit of God, as He is, is inspiring Moses to write down the words of this very first book, what we consider it's the first book of the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible. As Moses is writing this down, it's almost as if before anything else begins, the Spirit of God says, I need you to know some things about God. And there are going to be people that are discouraged, that are hopeless, they're going to open up the Bible, they're going, to, they're going to read those words. And what are they going to find out about God? There are going to be people who are desperate in addictions, they're going to open up the, the Word of God. And, and what are you going to say to them? There are people who are in a jail cell, they're going to open up, and that's the only thing they're going to read. What do they discover about the God of this universe in the first three verses? of the inspired Word of God. And the very first thing we see in verse 1, chapter 1 of the very first book of the Bible, simply this, we serve a God who is a creating God. He is the God who creates. He is the God who is able to bring something from nothing. He's able to bring reality from that which there is no reality. He's the one who set the laws of the universe into place. If you understand physics, he put all of the physics aspects into place. In fact, by the way, can I share with you some of the laws of physics that I've discovered this weekend is that when you have a grandson who stays with you, that whole thing about an object in motion generally stays in motion. That is true for a three-year-old grandson who stays in your house. And there's also a law of the universe that says that when you have your three-year-old grandson with you, whether or not he normally gets up at 7.30 or not, not when he's at Papa's house, he's up at 5.30. That's when he gets up. He was up when I got up this morning. 
But he says the God who creates is the God who is able to bring something from nothing. He's the God who is able to establish. And if you don't know anything else about God, just understand he's the God who creates. Now, look how he creates in this passage, by the way. He creates by, first of all, he pushes back darkness by bringing light to a situation. Look what he says as we read down through this verse. It says, it says, uh, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated light from darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Now, I don't know about you, but I always think about this, is that God didn't just create light, but what God does is that the natural state of things was just dark. It's kind of like the natural state of things is darkness, but God doesn't remove darkness. That's not how this whole thing works. If you, if you kind of get the concept of this whole thing, is that God pushes back darkness by bringing light into a situation. And I don't know, that just speaks really powerfully to me because as I think about the creating God, the God who is able to bring something from nothing, the God who is able to bring into reality that which is not reality, he doesn't simply just remove darkness. He brings light into a dark situation and overcomes that. In fact, what does Scripture say? God is light, and in Him there is no darkness. And all throughout Scripture, God takes dark situations, brings light into that situation, and pushes back darkness. Joseph, when he's in the, the book of Genesis, as Joseph goes to the house of Potiphar, goes to a dark situation, he lives with purity, he lives in a God-honoring way. He goes into a hopeless situation, and God allows him to be light into a dark situation. Or Daniel who's in Babylon and he's in captivity and he lives a life of purity and integrity and brings light into a dark situation. Or you go to John chapter 1 verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God, speaking about Jesus Christ and it says, and he was the light of the world. God doesn't remove suffering and God doesn't remove death and God doesn't remove darkness God brings light into those dark situations and pushes back the darkness that's how God does it and in Ephesians chapter 5 if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today here's what it says about you and me it says for you were once darkness it doesn't say you were in darkness it says you were darkness but now you are light. Not in the light, you are light in the Lord. And so the creating God who is able to bring into existence something that doesn't yet exist and bring to reality something that is not yet real, that God pushes back darkness. And then number two, what he does is he brings form and meaning and purpose into a, 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 a devoid and empty place. Notice what it says in verse two. It says, it says, now the earth was formless and void or empty. It didn't have any form whatsoever. And it says, verse 6, and God said, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it, and it was so. 
And God called the expanse sky. You go further, he says, let there be water under the sky. Let it be gathered to one place. And so what God does is he creates continents and as he creates seas and oceans is he takes that which is devoid and without any form or purpose or definition and God brings definition, purpose. That's how God does it. And you may be saying, Philip, you're, you're being really metaphorical today. We're supposed to be learning about creation. We're supposed to be learning about how God, but understand something bigger than simply the discussion of how God created humanity and created all living things and how God created the heavens and the earth. Bigger than that, bigger than the what he did is who he is that's behind that. The Bible isn't just about what God does. It's who He is. And it's who we are in Him. And the third thing I notice about how God creates that's just incredible to me is that He creates. And He creates something from nothing. And to my knowledge, no one else can possibly claim to do that. The closest thing, and again, this is not evolution versus creation or even the evolutionary appearances of creation and the, the various different ways of looking at creation. That's not what this is about today. But I want you to understand that even evolutionary scientists and those who, who are thinking of the Big Bang Theory, they still have to start with something. And the answer that nobody can get to is where did the Big Bang come from? Well, it was a bunch of gases and stuff. No, 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 no. Laws of thermodynamics in the universe say that the amount of energy and matter in the universe is constant. In other words, you have matter, you have wood, you have hay, you have people. We're matter and you have energy and there is only so much energy in the universe, and there is only so much matter in the universe, and matter can dissolve, be burned, and turn into energy, and energy can be matter, but the two things together are constant in the universe. It is a building block of scientific theory. Where'd the building blocks come from? Well, it came from some gases. No, 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 you can't do that. Because gases are something, where did that come from? Well, you know, there was this spontaneous uh, combustion, this implosion. No, 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 that can't happen according to science. I'll tell you where the Big Bang Theory came from. God said, let there, and bang, there it was. That's a Big Bang. <laughs> Why can't everybody just be that simple? I say, you know, sometimes, what is it? Who was it? Uh, there was a theory that says uh, the simplest answer usually is the answer. To me, that's a very simple answer. Wesley uh, is a Lego guy. He was. I mean, he doesn't play Legos as much anymore. He's in college. Although, I don't think it, you know, he would still do that with his nieces, nephews, and all those people. But, but he, he liked Legos. And Legos is kind of like when we think of creation, we think, oh, God is the God of Legos. And God is the God who takes all these building blocks. No, 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 no. 
as cool as Legos are, uh, Pastor Dan, I don't know if you know Pastor Dan and Stephanie, and they've got three children. One of them's named Wilson. Wilson is six going on seven years old, and uh, he is into Legos. And if you're on any of his Facebook stuff, you see these creations. What's that Baby Yoda called from that t show, The Mandalorian? I, I can't remember the Baby Yoda. Anyway, he made a Baby Yoda. He made a, everybody's going to be mad at me for calling it Baby. If you're a real, if you're a real Star Wars guy, you're going to hate that I just said that, but it's true. I, I can't remember his name. But that little baby Baby Yoda figure. He's got one of those, and he's got a lot of Star uh, Star Wars stuff, and he he he's got them all created and stuff. But here's the deal: God created the building blocks to create the building. God creates something where there's nothing. And you may be saying, "Hey, in, in my marriage, there is nothing." Take hope, because we're the God who's able to create where there's nothing. You say, "I got nothing to build my life on." You know what? God's able to build where there is nothing. God is able to create where there is nothing. You're saying, I'm discouraged. I'm depressed. I got no hope in life. We serve the God who creates. We serve the God who pushes back the darkness. We serve the God who is able to bring purpose out of something that seems so purposeless. We serve the God who, is, who does the building blocks. You're saying, I can't ever see that person's life ever change. There is nothing spiritually going on. And yet God is the God who awakens the hunger for himself. That's the God of Genesis 1-1. Do you know, I did some research uh, according, this is to scientists, and these are guys who specialize in this thing. I am not a scientist. I am not. I studied science in school, but I am not a scientist. That should be very clear very quickly with me. But do you know that according to scientists, the chances of one protein ever evolving is a one in 13 billion chance that would take 13 billion years to do. By the way, if any of you have ever studied evolutionary theory and such, um, have you noticed how the years have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger over the last 30 years? What used to happen in billions of years now takes trillions of years, and there's a reason for it. Scientists now agree you could not have evolution in billions of years. You need hundreds of billions of years and trillions of years because they agree evolution could not have taken place in billions of years. And so now it's hundreds of billions and trillions of years. Do you know that it would take 13 billion years, according to this one evolutionary scientist, for one protein to develop and that the human body has 40 to 100,000 different proteins in it? Not different types, there aren't that many different types, but unique proteins your chances of existence are one in, I'm going to look up the number because I can't remember what it is. Yeah, you are a one in 400 tri trillion chance. According to experts. Do you also understand that in our universe, light travels 5.88 trillion miles per year trillion trillion and that our galaxy is a hundred thousand light years across according to experts it would take you 2500 years just to count the stars in our galaxy 
And scientists say that there are billions and billions of galaxies. I don't know about you, but I feel kind of small right now. And let me give you some bad news and then some good news. You are really small. We are really small. And frankly, in comparison, that's why when you look at all this stuff purely by the numbers, people feel insignificant. You know why? We are insignificant. We got a problem, though. What changes everything is what Pastor Chelsea actually read today. Psalm 131.1. I'm going to give you a verse. Sorry, 139.1. This is going to change your life if you feel insignificant. Look what it says. Psalm 139.1. It says, For you, God, created me in my inmost being. You knit to get me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made, your works are wonderful. If you feel insignificant, understand we are really small, but in God's eyes we are really important because Scripture says He not only set the stars in their place, Isaiah 40, but He calls them each by name. So the God who created everything knows you your value just went way up this happens to be the weekend commemorated not really commemorated it's memorialized around the united states this weekend next weekend sanctity of human life sunday because it commemorates or remembers roe versus wade that means why do we believe life has importance because god believes life has importance and there is no one insignificant no matter how far along in their development they are because since we're all small anyway we all have importance in god's eyes and god creates and the enemy destroys why because the enemy can't create to quote the great theologian Spock on Star Trek, as a matter of cosmic history, it has always been easier to destroy than to create. By the way, Wrath of Khan for all of you guys who are looking for a quote. So God creates humanity and the enemy does what? Tries to destroy humanity and life, diminishes it. God creates marriage, the enemy tries to destroy marriages God creates identity what does the enemy do destroys identity God creates the thief comes to kill steal and destroy if you don't know anything else about God if you only made it through one verse understand God creates and so because God creates there is hope because he's able to bring something from nothing number two this ought to encourage you verse two God is available and the Spirit of God was hovering over the seas. The Spirit of God was hovering. Almost like the Holy Spirit said, as He is inspiring the Word of God, that I need you to understand right up front <clears throat> that there's the God who creates, and whenever God wants to create, He speaks it, He creates it, it is done and it is good. But understand, it's as if he's saying the Spirit of God is just hovering. He is just waiting. He is just, he is ju he's just simply moving, ready to move. 
He's the personal God. In fact, it's interesting when you work down through this passage, work down through it with me just a little bit. Go down to verse 11. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation. Go down to verse 11. It says, and it was so. And verse 12 says, and God saw that it was good. Verse 14 says, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse. And by the way, it was so. He made two great lights, and God saw, verse 18, it was good. And verse 20, it says, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly across the earth, across the expanse of the sky. And by the way, it was so, verse 21, and God saw that it was good. And and then God said in verse 24, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds and livestock. And by the way, verse 25 says, and God saw it was good. then God said, let us make man in our own image. By the way, first time in Scripture we see very clearly the possibility of the triune God because he says, let us make man in our own image. And by the way, he did so. And when God made humanity, he said, it is very good. But what we need to understand about this God who creates and the God who is able to powerfully move is that he's the personal God who works individually in our lives and is available. I mentioned Wilson. I keep pointing over here because Wilson always sits down here when he's in the third hour. So I always point there. That's usually where the Hamricks sit, right across there. January the 8th was adoption day in their family. Eight years ago, Dan adopted the girls. Then four years ago, Wilson joined their family from China, and he came into their family. And I don't know if any of you saw this. He sent it to several people. I don't know if he posted it on Facebook or didn't post it on Facebook. But Wilson is, uh, by the way, bundle of energy. That guy, his, you know what it is? You just wind up a top, and then you just watch it go like this. That's kind of Wilson. He just does that all day. He's got all kinds of energy. But Wilson was so taken by his uh, celebration of adoption that he wrote a song for Adoption Day, and he began to sing it and it says something like this I wish every little boy and in, in in girl in the world who doesn't have a family could have a family as great as my family and I didn't show it because I can't preach through tears very well and he was so excited about belonging to his family and the love that he feels in his family. And what got me so excited was I actually remember before Wilson came into the family. I remember when the seed of the idea of adopting began to birth within the Hamricks. Any of you who have adopted and adopted internationally know there's a lot of hoops to jump through. And financially, there's a pretty big need that pops up. And and I don't know what you think we pay our associate pastors, but it's not as much as maybe you think. It was a huge undertaking. And I watched as God opened not only the doors of possibility and not only moved by bringing a specific name and move quicker than the Hamricks ever thought. I remember them testifying of how God kept opening doors and then financially, God brought the finances along and underwrote great portions of the cost of that so that they were able to move far quicker than they ever imagined. Glad it wasn't an evolutionary scientist, we'd still be waiting four billion years. Sorry.
But see, I remember when they came home with him. And every time I see him, I think you don't realize how personally God had to move to bring all of that together. And you open the Bible and you're frustrated. You open the Bible because you feel spiritually like you've lagged in your walk with God or you've opened the Bible because you're battling an addiction or you open the Bible because you don't know where to start but you feel absolutely hopeless. The very first verse says God is the God who is able to create something out of nothing. You don't feel like you have anything to bring. Congratulations. God works in those situations. Number two, He's available in those situations. Number three, when God speaks, unimaginable power is released. God said, let there be light. There was light. God said, let there be starry hosts, and there were starry hosts. God said, let there be critters swimming in the ocean, and there were critters swimming in the ocean. God said, let there be animals. There were animals. God said, let me create humanity some of you are old enough to remember this. When E.F. Hutton speaks, oh, none of you know E.F. Hutton. People listen. Let me tell you, when God speaks, things happen. When God speaks, angels move. When God speaks, that which is nothing becomes something. When God speaks, Hell itself trembles because when God speaks, it's all the power necessary. There's a woman years ago, I think she came to D.L. Moody, the great preacher, and she said, Mr. Moody, should we bring even very small things to God? And he said, Madam, there's nothing that's big to God, so of course we can bring the small things to God. Everything's small to Him. And that's not to diminish where you're at. That's not to diminish what you're going through. That's not to diminish what God is placing on your heart. It's not to diminish the dream we talked about last week, the new thing that God's wanting to do. That's not to diminish that. It's just simply this, is that God can do it. God can. He's able. And so if you didn't read anything else in Scripture, like John 3.16, God so loved the world, that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will never perish but have eternal life. If, if you didn't read anything else in Scripture, if you didn't know any of those verses in the New Testament, you can know that God's the God who creates and that God is the God who's available in your life and He's the God who when He speaks, powerful things happen so you can be encouraged because He's God. So Father, this morning... As we begin a journey, as many are beginning a journey today, maybe of a different sort, but we're beginning a journey. The first foundation, the, the bricks and the wall, the, the foundational truths that we want to cling to is that you are able and that you are powerful and that you are available. 
And Holy Spirit, it says that you were hovering. I wonder this morning if you're not hovering. It's like you're ready to break into a situation. One who is just overcome with grief and discouragement or depression or addiction or whatever it is or, or a marriage that just, it's just waiting for some seed to come into that situation or whatever it is. And, and maybe it's just the flicker of light to restore to us the joy of our salvation. Lord, you're hovering. And I pray that you would break in. And this word today, if, if, if you ever needed an evidence that God cares about you and knows where you're at and knows your name and he's speaking to you today, that's him speaking. That's not me. That's not me just making something up. That is how God feels about you to orchestrate a, an encounter like this where he speaks into your heart. That's the God who invites you into relationship through His Son, Jesus Christ. So Lord, we reach out to You. We reach back to You. We invite You to bring form and purpose and life. And we do so with the faith that we have and the faith we yet hope to grasp onto. We say that in Jesus' powerful name.